0: The circumstances recorded in, in Acts chapter five, verses one to eleven, have always, always fascinated me. In fact, the the story of of Ananias and Sapphira has at once uh, shocked uh, and also confused Christians for centuries, and it still does. Why did God truly kill this couple simply for lying? That is the question, and that's what's fascinating about it. Did God truly kill this couple simply for lying? And if that is the case, what can we learn from this incident? And to begin to learn the significance of it, we need to look very briefly at, at what has happened immediately prior to this. Open your Bibles at Acts chapter 4 uh, and reading from, from verse 32 just to see what has happened before and to, uh, to set this, um, uh, this in context. In chapter 4 of Acts and from verse 32, we read, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the seals, and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So we see this wonderful um, this wonderful demonstration of true Christian spirit and true Christian generosity. Luke tells us that on occasions, individuals would perhaps sell a field or some other possession. They would sell a field and they would, they would bring the money uh, from the seal and they would place the money at the feet of the apostles. And there was openness and there was, there was transparency and everything was done for the, uh, for the building of the kingdom and for the glory of the Lord. Now, let's look again at the opening verses of chapter 5. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. And what Peter makes clear is that Ananias, he was under no obligation, no obligation to sell the field, nor if he sold his field, was he obliged to, to give the money for, from the sale to the apostles' ministry. The problem lies in the fact that he sold the field with the intention of giving the funds to the church, but he kept some of the money for himself. And the lie, therefore, that he, com- that he committed was that he was giving the impression that he was handing over uh, the, the full amount for the field. Very generous, when in fact he wasn't. He desired to find comfort in his lies. And, and this is what, what all lying essentially leads us to believe is true. That there's comfort in it. But, you know, God has ways of, of causing lies to, to catch up with us. A minister uh, who had had a very busy church program for a number of, uh, of weeks. And so he decided that he would take a Sunday off. And instead he would go and play golf. So he contacted the elders and he, he told them that he had been invited uh, to go and preach at another church and that he would, he would be away on a, on a Sunday and that he had made arrangements for someone to be there in his place. So the following Sunday came and the Lord looked down upon the minister just as he was about to take his first swing and the Lord speaking to a, a, an angel, the Lord said, watch this, I'll teach him a lesson. The minister swung and his first shot was a hole in one. Then he lined up again and again, and each time he got a hole in one. After a while, the angel could not contain himself any longer, and he said, Lord, he said, I thought you were going to teach him a lesson. The Lord smiled and said, Think about it. He's never had a hole in one in his life before, and now he's had 18 in a row. Who can he tell? Who can he tell? He'll think he's a way of preaching somewhere else, a good minister that he is. You know, lies have a way of, of catching up with us. And we see this, we see this so dramatically to be the case with Ananias. You see, Ananias, he wanted to he wanted to have his cake and eat it. He wanted to be to be known among the believers as a as a generous giver, that his reputation would precede him while at the same time enjoying the proceeds from the seal of his field. But his sin caught up with him, as all sin eventually does. And he died. He died as a result, instantly. And the, the Bible reminds us that the wages of sin is death. So, wherein lies the application of this event? What can we learn from it today? Well, the first thing we learn is that Christians must be people of the truth. Peter asked Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart? And the reason he says this is because his lying and all lying is a direct result of sin. Scripture tells us that Satan is a liar and that he is the father of lies. And when, when we lie or when we tell half-truths or, or we, tr- we, we twist the truth to make it more acceptable, we are not displaying the, the image of God, but we are displaying the image of Satan. And I'll be the first to admit that I haven't always told the truth. I lied to my parents when I was a child. I lied to my school teachers about why I hadn't finished my homework. I cheated on my school exams. But when Christ saved me, it changed. It changed that part of me that sought to bring pleasure through deceitfulness. And as we journey with Christ, we should be seeking his strength to enable us to continue living a life of truth. But what can happen? And what happened with, with Ananias is that we can dabble with sin as believers. We can convince ourselves that half-truths are okay. That God wouldn't judge us for a little white lie here or there or, or a word of gossip or, or perhaps a, a slight tweak in our, our tax returns. But actually, Scripture shows us that God can and will judge us for how we live. And as Christians, we must always be seeking to speak the truth in love. And that means that we, we shouldn't say things that, that are false because it makes a situation easier. Nor should we say things that are false to, to boost our own ego, ego or, or reputation as Ananias did. We must always consider when we open our mouths, is what is about to come out of it, is it true or is it false? A little girl once said, to her mother. I've been thinking that it's worse to lie than to steal. Why's is that? Said the mother. Well, you see, said the little girl, if you steal something when you are sorry for it, you can give it back or, or you can pay back the price for it. But whenever you lie, it's gone forever and you can't take it back. And Lying is so deeply ingrained into us because of the sins of our first parents. They believed a lie. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And Adam and Eve, they believed the lie. And the lie led to temptation, and the temptation led to sin. And sin caused our first parents to fall, and we have been suffering the consequences ever since. Sin is real. Sin leads to death. And our human nature desires that we dabble with it. And the reason that we dabble with sin and become comfortable with it, even, even after we've come to Christ, even after we've come to faith, the reason that we dabble in it is because we, do, we underestimate the holiness of God. And this is the, the second application of our text this morning. Cultivating a knowledge of the holiness of God. Ananias and Sapphira believed that they could, they could hoodwink both the apostles and they, they could hoodwink God and the outcome for them was instantaneous death yet we look at this incident and come to the conclusion well that was a bit severe a we white lion and God strikes him dead and the reasons that we the reason that we come to that conclusion is that we do not truly understand god 's holiness and our sinfulness and how the two are at such odds and it was Ananias's sin it was his his unrepentant heart laid before the holiness of God that caused him to die. And there was no funeral given. There was no ceremony as there usually would have been. His body was, it was quickly wrapped in a shroud and it was taken away. A hole was dug and he was buried. And this incident reminds us that, that sin is sin. There are, no, there are no levels of sin. No sin is greater than any other sin in the sight of God. And our sinfulness is demonstrated in various ways. It's through lies, through deceit, through idolatry, through adultery, through lust, through greed. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right eye causes you to sin, right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And here I believe is where unbelievers still believe the lie that Eve was told by the serpent in the garden. He said, give in to temptation, eat of the tree, you'll be okay, you'll be okay, you, you, will, you surely will not die. And likewise, many people believe that they haven't disobeyed God, that they haven't offended him in any way, that yes, they've made a few mistakes along the way, but, but generally they, they've, they've been good people, and, and one day they, they will hope to be in that place called heaven where, where they will rest in peace, and that they'll be in a better place that God loves him and and all is well. Folks, it is the greatest lie that Satan has weaved and continues to weave into the hearts of men and women. Because the wages of sin is death. And if we die still in our sins, if we die with an unrepentant heart, we will face the judgment of God. Ananias was judged for his sin and his judgment led to death. Some might try and make the suggestion that perhaps it was a shock, maybe it was a shock and the guilt of what Ananias had done that brought on a a massive heart attack. But if that were the case, how does that explain the death of his wife Sapphira? For she too lied to God and her sin led to instant death. Sin leads to death. Christ took upon him our sins in his death. He was raised to life. And as we exchange our sins for the salvation of God, we are set free from the punishment of sin and from eternal separation from God. And Luke tells us that after all this took place, that great fear, they were terrified, great fear seized the whole church and and all who heard about these events. And they had every right to be afraid because they had been subjected to the holiness of God. And one day, one day we will all come face to face with that same holiness. And the moment that you see him, the moment that that you stand before God, because one day every one of us will stand before him, we will see him. Everyone in this room will see him. And the moment that we get that first glimpse of God, our natural response will be to fall down. It will be to bow before him. It will be to cower in fear for such is his holiness. And it will be unlike anything we've ever experienced. We will be absolutely terrified. But we don't understand this, nor do we believe it. But in that moment, all the things that distracted us in this life, all the things that, that have held our attention or caused us worry or or distracted us from God, they will mean nothing. And we will quickly realise that our time should have been spent focusing on Him. Sin blinds us. Sin blinds us so that we choose the quick fix or the short term gains in life. And we lose sight, we lose sight of the long term loss in the life to come. And here is where the full application of this text is most forcibly felt. If God were to come among us now, if his holiness was to reveal our sinfulness, how would we respond? What would the outcome be? Would we, like Ananias and Sapphira, drop dead because we know that we are still in our sins, that we haven't accepted Christ as our Lord, or will we drop the knee and bow in fear and wonder before our Savior and Redeemer? Because, folks, that day is coming. That day is coming. And God, who is, who is not, some, not some cruel tyrant who is out to get us, but who is a loving Father, a loving Father who longs that we be restored to him, a loving Father who is giving us ample opportunity to accept Him as our Savior. And perhaps for somebody here today, this this might be the last opportunity that you have to respond to Him. Consider that. Today might be the last opportunity to respond to Him. Now you might say, Oh, come on, Phil. You're being a bit overdramatic. That's exactly what Satan would have us believe. What has had millions and millions believe from the beginning of time who have gone to a lost eternity? But today, God is calling us. Is he calling you? Is he saying, Will you believe in me? Will you trust me? Will you allow me to save you? For if you are not saved today, then you must be saved. And how are we saved? Well, God's word tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that is what we must do. And we must simply pray, Lord Jesus Christ, I I know I have sinned against you in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. There are many good things I have not done. Please forgive me. I am sorry for my sins. I am turned from everything I know to be wrong. You gave your life upon the cross for me. Gratefully, I give my life back to you. Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to rescue me. Come in as my Lord to, to control me. Come in as my friend to be with me. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering me. Amen. And if you can say that prayer and mean every word of it, you've asked Jesus Christ into your life and he has come. And he now lives in you by his Holy Spirit. Folks, we never know when our last opportunity to respond to God's grace will be. None of us know. And if you haven't, will you respond today? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the invitation that is before us to come on to you. For all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you call us to come. Lord, we thank you that even at that point when our 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 first parents give in to the temptation and they sinned, and their eyes were open to the truth, and that sin came into this world and it came into our hearts. Lord, we thank you that even at that point in history, you have planned to send your Savior, Jesus Christ, that one day he would come as the, as the Savior and the Redeemer of all mankind, to convict us of sin, to show us that there is no way to get to heaven on our own. It is only through Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father except through me. And Lord, you present that opportunity before us. Father, may we respond. May we have the faith and the boldness and the courage to reach out to you and to receive that offer of salvation. Because none of us know. None of us know how many more opportunities we have to respond to that. And if we die in our sins as Ananias and Sapphira did, we go to an eternity lost from you for all eternity. Holy Spirit, come we pray and convict this day that we would know your love, that you are a God who loves us and who longs for us to be held in your embrace forevermore. You are a holy God. Show us our sin and our need for you to live for you, to live all our days for you, knowing that you are with us. Come, Lord, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen. We conclude our service as we stand to sing our closing praise. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. And if anybody wants to come and, and speak with me afterwards and, uh, um, and even to pray that prayer or just to talk, um, please come and speak to me. Let's stand as we sing, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul.